too long, the church has been known for what it's against. We want to be known for who we're for. Messiah is for St. Charles. We are for people, not against people. We are a movement, not an institution. We are focused on going there, not just coming here. We are Jesus followers, not just rule followers. We are givers, not just takers. Messiah is for St. Charles. All right. Hey, good morning, church. And uh, really, thank you for being here today. I really do. Um, because you are needed. So glad to have new members today. Wow, that's so, so awesome. One more time. So glad that you are on the team. That's so great. I love it. Um, each one of you are needed. Each one of you. Your church needs you. Your community needs you. And I am loving this uh, little series we are in for St. Charles. But I got to tell you, it is more than just one of these one-off message series kind of deals. It, it's bigger than that. It's actually the reformation of the church, of who God is calling us to be. We are visioning a new direction and a new way of being church. Uh, now, this isn't a new idea, let me just tell you. No, it's, about a, it's a very old idea. It's about 2,000 years old, in fact. Uh, it's about the kind of church Jesus came to create. It's about being known for what Jesus was known for. And at Messiah, we're kind of putting our stake in the ground, and we're saying we are for St. Charles. Because for too long, the church has been known for what it's against. And we want to be known for what we're for. And we're for St. Charles, because as disciples of Jesus... We want to own his mission. We want to be a part of it because many people in St. Charles County have written off God because they believe the church has written them off. And we're here to change that. Uh, we're here to show them that God has not written them off hardly. I'm really excited about where we're going, but be warned, it's going to take work. But it's good work. And it begins in the head and the heart of each and every one of us. And I said it last week, I'll say it again. The older you are, the more important it is for you to get this and own this. And I'm with you. I'm with you. We can lead and we need you. We, we really do. But it, it, every one of us, every one of us needs to own this mission. And it really starts by turning away from anything that smacks of what's in it for me. All right? It, so it means personal sacrifice for the sake of the mission, right? For the mission, for the mission, for the mission. Keep those, for the mission, for the mission. It means putting other people over personal preference, right? And that's not easy because only mature disciples can pull that off. But we can do this. Anybody can do it. I believe we can do this. And it's very good for us because you see, the best kind of church for you to be a part of really isn't one that caters to you. Really, it's not. It's not good for you. The best kind of church is one that's going to invite you and inspire you to be a part of the Jesus movement that is focusing in on people who are far from God. That is the mission of Jesus. Going. 
seeking to save the lost. And it is most wonderful of Jesus to include us in on the mission. The discipleship of Jesus begins with the word follow. That's how it starts, follow me. But it ends with the word go. Follow and then go. Speaking of going, let me show you something that is so awesome. Um, Luke records one of my most very, very favorite scenes in the whole Bible, and you can find it in the 10th chapter of Luke's Good News account. It's when Jesus sends his disciples to go out and do. Uh, Let's begin with the first verse. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them ahead of him to every town and place that he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Now, sometime later, I'm going to skip ahead to verse 17. The 72 returned with joy, and they said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And he replied, oh, I saw Satan falling like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. At that time, Jesus full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the the wise and the learned, and yet you revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. And that's God's word. I love this text so much because there's so much joy in it. Here's a picture of my Bible. That's what my Bible looks like because I I love connecting the dots here. There's the ask, you know, go, go, exclamation point, go. Okay, great. And then they go and they do all that stuff. And then they return with joy. That means the devil's done here. And then you get to rejoice in some more. Jesus full of joy. God's good pleasure. Uh, There's joy all over the place. Disciples are fired up when they come back. And Jesus is fired up. At that time, Jesus full of joy. Jesus is hearing the, the reports about this great adventure that the disciples were on. And and he is full of joy in hearing the good news. You imagine that. It is wonderful. Being on mission puts a smile on Jesus' face. And he praises his Father in heaven over it. And the Father is well pleased. How cool is that? A very go, church, go. I love it. Go, church, go. There is nothing to fear. Victory is certain, so get in the game. Not sure if you recognize this guy, but this is Red Auerbach. I love that picture. He's the coach of the Boston Celtics from way back when. Uh, You can tell it's an old picture because he's actually smoking a cigar on the sidelines. (laughs) 
Is that wild? Can you imagine, like, being this guy? It's like, you just come off the bench, you know, and getting it. Anyway, author Jim Monroe. I have this picture of my office, by the way, because it's just so weird. Author Jim Monroe uh, describes that Red Auerbach was one of the greatest coaches of all times. When he coached the Celtics in the 1960s, he won nine championships in 10 seasons. All in all, he won the title 16 times in his 29 years with the Celtics. Now, Auerbach famously loved cigars. Here's the thing. Whenever a win seemed assured, he would then, right then and there, fire up a cigar on the bench and smoke it for the rest of the game. And so, to everybody in the stands, to the Boston faithful, when our box lit cigar came out, they knew the game was over. Victory was assured. And see, that's the picture I get from Luke 10, where Jesus is firing up a stogie. He is, because he, I picture him kind of like sitting on a rock with his legs like this, and he's got the cigar, and he's going, great game. Great game, guys and gals. Way to execute. Way to get out there. I saw the devil falling. Oh, wow, guys. You can almost smell the smoke. It's a victory cigar. And the victory comes to those who get in the game. But here's the thing, church. The game is out there. Now, I realize for that all of you, you're literally sitting on a basketball court right now. <laughs> you are, but the game's not in here. The game's out there. And at Messiah, we're kind of phrasing it like this, that the church is going to be focused on going there, not just coming here. Let's switch sports, all right? Let's go from basketball to baseball. You remember the movie, right? Feel the dreams, great movie. If you've seen it, then I bet you remember the big line. If you build it, say it with me. They will come. Very good, church. And that might work in the movies. And sometimes in real life, too. You know, for much of Messiah's past, that was kind of the strategy, and it worked. I did. I've been here for two-thirds of Messiah's history, and I remember it well. When I first came onto the scene, we only had one building, and that is the room that you are sitting in, and a handful of offices right behind that wall over there. That's all there was. But at the time, St. Charles was booming, and so we needed to make room, and so we got after it. We planned, and we hired an architect. We had a capital campaign or two or three along the way, and... The people of Messiah gave generously. We built it, and people came, and it was a wonderfully crazy, crazy time. It seemed that all we really needed to do was just kind of open the door and then get out of the way because people were coming. Really, I recall a time, it wasn't even that long ago, about a decade, when we were worshiping well over 1,000 people a weekend. Well, sadly, many of those people have moved on or moved out. And I think I know the reasons, because they weren't connected. Those uh, community groups, they're really important. Because I've, I've seen the result when people are not connected. What happens is you don't, we didn't have the staff, really, to support the numbers of people who were coming. And so they literally came in the front door, didn't get connected, never felt like they belonged, and they moved on right out the back door. 
So yeah, build it and they will come. It, it worked for a time. But, but really, when it comes to connecting people to Jesus, it just doesn't work. I'm working it more. Well, let me say this, though. It is really nice to have nice buildings. It is great, in fact. I am a fan, uh, especially today. It's cold, it's windy. But really, I am so thankful for what we have built here. I love our school, our school ministry. I'm so proud of our campus here. It's really beautiful. If you ever just walk around the place, I, I'm, I love it. I really do. And I'm looking forward to the next building. I don't know what it is. I have no idea. But I'm looking forward to it. Um, but also, the building building itself is not the most effective primary strategy for connecting um, people to Jesus or building the kingdom of God. In order to make disciples in this time and place in history, we need to shift the focus of a church as being a place that you come to, to that of a church as being a people who go out there. A church is not a place, it's a people. As mentioned, this is not a new idea. No, it's, it's really a very old idea. Hey, here's a phrase you're never going to hear in the Bible. Where do you go to church? In fact, there's no place in God's Word that says that we should go to church. Worship? Yes, that's in there a lot of times, actually. Uh, certainly, it's commanded, in fact. <laughs> but there's nothing that says that you should go to a church. And that's because when the New Testament was written... Nobody thought of calling a building a church. The church didn't have buildings then. It just had people. But then, over time, uh, I think it was the 12th century, a strange thing happened. What used to describe a bunch of people came to be known as the name of a building. As Pastor John Orford points out, he says, sometimes people will look at a building where a group of people congregate and they say, Oh, you have a beautiful church. But what the, uh, if you said that to the early Christians, that would have made as much sense as looking at a crib and saying, oh, you have a beautiful baby. Babies are people. A crib is just a place where you put the baby, but not all the time. You put the baby in a crib so that he or she can rest up and recharge to go back out into the world. The world, in our case, the world of St. Charles, is where the action's at. I love our building. I love our church asium. I, I really do. I love it more than any church in St. Charles. I, I think this place is great. I love that it's multi-purpose and multi-function. You can throw dodgeballs at each other on Monday and have a wedding on a Saturday and church worship on Sunday. and It's great. I love what we do here. I love worshiping Jesus here. I love that we can come and gather together in a place that brings joy and hope and peace and truth, and we come together, we can praise God and just pull out all our stops and really not worry about messing the place up. 
we can come and we can rest up and we can recharge and get nourished so that we can go out into the world and be the church. Have you ever been to Ed DeBevick's in Chicago? Some of you have. If you ever get the opportunity, make sure you go. They have a sign on the outside there, uh, get in here, right? Get in here! But when you do, watch out, because some snarky waiter, waitress, you know, will eventually get to your, they'll hand you the burger, right? And they hand it over to you, and here's what they say. They say, now eat and get out. And that line probably wouldn't work for the church. But it probably would. I think it totally would. Oh, I wish we were having the Lord's Supper today, because I know exactly what I'd say to you. I would. I'd be, I would say, take and eat, take and drink, and then get out. Take his body, take his blood, take Jesus, and get out of here. Yeah, get out. Get out there. Go, your Savior says. I'm sending you out. The harvest is plentiful. Go, church, go. You recall Jesus' parting words to his disciples after he was just about ready, excuse me, to ascend into heaven. He says, go and make disciples. Not wait for disciples to come. Not build it and they'll eventually come. But go. Get going. And as you go into the world, make disciples of all people. Go and remember I'm with you. I'm with you, I'm with you always. It's a commission. It's the great commission to go. And since we are followers of Jesus, we follow, then we go. You look at Jesus. He left heaven, came to earth. He goed all over the place. That's all he did was go. He walked around Judea, walked around Galilee, he walked around Jerusalem. He walked around Samaria. He walked all around showing people about this kingdom of God. What was it about? It turns out it was about grace. It was about love. It was about mercy. Most of all, it was about his sacrifice. And one day, Jesus walked the streets of Jerusalem this time with the cross, and he walked up a hill, and there he was pounded to death for the sins of St. Charles and the world. Ah, but three days later, he walked out of that tomb to prove to us that his good work worked. And therefore, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But many ain't in Christ Jesus. So go, church, go. Go, dogs, go. You remember this book, right? I love this book. It's probably one of my favorites. You remember the line? Well, maybe you don't, so let me give it to you. Throughout the book, one dog is kind of asking the other dog, do you like my hat? And the answer throughout most of the story is, no, I do not like that hat. But that little dog is persistent. 
he or she uh, tries new hats. Right? Doesn't take no for an answer. I'm going to keep trying new hats, new ideas, new methods. And then you get to the very last hat, you remember? It's a party hat. Do you like my party hat? Yes, I do like that hat. And it's true. Everyone likes a party. Do you like my Jesus? Let me show and tell you that the kingdom of God is a party. That's what Jesus said. You look at uh, Luke 15 sometime, the parable of the lost sheep, lost coin, lost son. And you get to the end of each one of those little stories. What's the punchline? It's a party. It's a celebration when the lost get found and Jesus rejoices. All of heaven rejoices. The church needs to get on his party hat and go. Do you like my Jesus? Yes? No? Maybe so. Whatever the answer, we must be lovingly persistent, church. If at first you don't succeed, you just keep trying and trying and trying again. Try something like this. I would love someone to take me on this. I'm going to dare you, bet you, whatever. Throw out the challenge. Encourage you. Do this. Try this. If you don't want to come with me to Messiah and worship, then come to my house. Come to my party. Here, have a cigar. That is a great way to do church, a party. That is a great way to be church, a party. Do this. Try it. And if you do, let me know that you did it. I would love to find out what happened. Or maybe nothing happened. But do this. You take a bunch of Messiah friends, but not all of them. Then you get some other friends who are kind of like outside, maybe not connected to Jesus so much, or maybe they are, maybe they're not. It doesn't matter. And you have them over to your house, you mix them all up. And see what the Spirit will do. It's a great idea, but it's not my idea. It's not a new idea. In fact, it's a 2,000-year-old idea. Let me show you something really awesome. Matthew chapter 9. Mm-mm-mm, I love this. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Stop. Matthew is an outsider. He ain't a disciple yet. He's an outsider. Tax collector is what he was, and tax collectors were notorious sinners. They used the term tax collector and sinners interchangeably back then. Same thing. Namely, because tax collectors were known for collecting more than they should and keeping it for themselves, stealing from God's people is what they were doing. Anyway, Jesus is on the go. He's out there. And he stops at Matthew, tax collector booth, and he says to someone, like Matthew of all people, He says, follow me. There it is again. That's where it starts. Follow me. And amazingly, Matthew got up and followed him. Get this. Later, that night, a party breaks out at Matthew's place. It's a mixed crowd. Matthew and all of his tax collector buddies are there. And Jesus and his crew are there. And the text says, 
while Jesus was having dinner, that meant fellowship, friendship, at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with Jesus and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such a collection of losers like this? Tax collectors and sinners. And Jesus overhears what they say, and so he stands up and he makes like a toast of sorts. <clears throat> Boys, let me tell you something. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Why don't you read your Old Testament sometime and come back and tell me what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call those who think they're righteous, but sinners. Mm. That right there is such good news, I can't stand it. It's very good news for me because I'm a sinner. Yes, I'm a beloved sinner, but I'm a sinner. And that is very good news for you because you're a beloved sinner. And it's certainly good news for St. Charles. The question on the table is this. Will we go... Will we tell, will we share with St. Charles this great good news that he is merciful? He's for you. He didn't come for those who think they're righteous, but for you and me. Or will the church sit back, relax, and play the role of the religious insider, the Pharisee, and just gripe? which is not a strategy, by the way, and gripe, and gripe, and gripe, and complain, and point fingers, and accuse. Uh -uh. Nor dare we withdraw, and hunker down, and play defense, and play not to lose, and raise the drawbridge. No. Instead, writes Brian Zahn in a great book, it's called Beauty Will Save the World, if the church of the 21st century will lay down its anger and its frustration and instead joyfully sing the melody of Christ, we can perhaps once again astonish a weary world with the beauty of the gospel. Go, church, go. Sing, church, sing. Sing the song of the gospel. A great way you can do this is by singing digitally. Really. Go digital with the good news. It's a great way to be on mission. This morning, you've been handed or will be handed a card with Messiah's social media accounts. And what I'm asking you to do is follow, engage, and then share. Use your phone for good. I'm not sure if you ever heard about this thing, but I think it's called the World Wide Web. 
they didn't laugh at the 9 o'clock uh, service either. I'm being sarcastic. They're like, everyone knows. And anyway, from what I understand, it's sticking around. And apparently, there's this little something known as social media. And from what I understand, you can kind of communicate with all kinds of people. It's a great time and place to be the church. The internet is one of the very best missionary tools ever invented. Do some good with it. Sing the song of a gospel with it. Go digital church before St. Charles. Follow, engage, and share. Rate our podcast well. Rate us on Google favorably. Lie if you have to. Okay, just tease it a little bit, all right. But do it, do it, do it. Do it, because you're needed. You are, every one of us. And the more you go digital with the good news, the farther the reach of the gospel. And who knows? Who knows what the Spirit will do through your whatever share thing it's called? I don't even know what I'm talking about, but I'm going to do it. Who knows? Who knows what the Spirit will do through your efforts? Who knows? Jesus knows. He knows the future. And I can picture him now. His cigar is lit. And he is full of joy because his church got after it. And many in St. Charles, many, 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 many more names are written in heaven. Amen. All right.